Oceanside Sanctuary. Welcome to the third Sunday of Advent here uh, in our online Sunday gathering happening here on Facebook and on YouTube. We know, uh, of course, that you are all out there maintaining your social distance from each other uh, and gathering with your loved ones and your friends to whatever extent you are able during this holiday season. Our prayers are with you. We pray that you are staying safe and staying healthy wherever you are. In the meantime, of course, we are going to continue to gather online as a church every Sunday, just like we are today and just like we have since March. And today we're going to take a look at Isaiah chapter 61, which is our reading from the lectionary for today. And before we jump into our passage, as usual, I want to invite you to just pray with me for a moment. I invite you to center yourselves as we come before the passage in the book of Isaiah and ask the Lord to reveal to us the hope that he's bringing and the promise that we are waiting for. Would you just pray with me together? God, we thank you again for this opportunity for us to gather as a church. Even though we are apart, we can still be together in this way online on Facebook and on YouTube We pray that you would teach us to connect with each other in creative ways so that we can maintain our fellowship. And we pray that you would continue to be with those who are sick, who have been infected with the coronavirus as it really just continues to grow and explode across the country. We pray that you'd be with those who have been hospitalized because of it. We pray that you would be with those who are struggling because of the isolation, because It's been months since they've been able to spend meaningful time with their friends and their family members. We pray for those who have lost loved ones to this virus, and we pray that you be with those whose businesses have been impacted by the pandemic and the shutdown. God, it seems like there is just so much frustration because our uh, society really seems to be coming apart under the weight of the stress and the pressure that we're feeling as a result of this. I pray, God, that you would reveal to us what the possibilities are for good news as we enter into 2021 together. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, Advent is a season of waiting. It's this time of expectation, the four weeks before Christmas, as we look towards the hope of the coming of Christ that's represented on Christmas, we spend this time intentionally sort of inhabiting that space of expectation. And in that space of expectation, that space of hopefulness, really brings up a lot of emotions. You know, it causes us to wonder uh, exactly when it is that the good things that the gospel promises will be coming. It helps us to connect with what it must have felt like for ancient Near Eastern Jewish people to be expecting the Messiah and also helps us to connect with our own anxieties, our own frustrations, and and cry out to God and ask how it is that we can continue to wait and be patient for the good things that are promised through the gospel. My question for today is during this season of Advent, what is it that we are waiting for? What is it that we're hoping for? What is it that we are expecting during this time of Advent? I want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have one in front of you to Isaiah chapter 61. This passage was already read today as a part of our uh, celebration of Advent. Today, as usual, I'm going to take a look at a couple of passages from Isaiah 61 and just share with you 
some of what uh, has been percolating in my own heart as I prepared for our time of gathering this week. Isaiah chapter 61, I'm just going to read it through to verse uh, 4 and invite you to follow along with me. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many. We're going to just stop there and kind of unpack this passage a little bit. Some of you might recognize that this passage is familiar because Jesus actually quotes it at the very beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. There's this famous story of how Jesus stands up in the synagogue at the beginning of his his ministry, and he comes forward to read from the scroll the appointed uh, daily reading Uh, for that particular day, was this passage, Isaiah 61. Jesus gets up very dramatically, reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, the release of prisoners from their captivity. And then, of course, he proclaims to all those in the synagogue, on this day, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's a bold claim to make for Jesus, and it causes a big stir in the synagogue. And ultimately, all the members of the synagogue drive Jesus out and towards the cliff. Their intention is to kill him, but Jesus escapes from that situation. That whole moment, that whole amazing story where Jesus reads this passage creates this moment of incredible drama, so much drama that those who heard him went to to kill him. They drove him towards the cliff to drive him off the cliff. So what is it that caused them to be so frustrated with Jesus? I think as we unpack this passage, we can begin to connect a little bit with what was going on during that time. And I want to begin towards the end of the passage that I read. So let's go back to it. Isaiah chapter 61 I'm going to go to verse 4, the very end of the portion that I read to you. Verse 4 says this, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This is a powerful image, and it refers to the fact that Isaiah, the prophet, is writing at a time when the ancient people of Israel are returning from their captivity in Babylon. They've literally spent generations in captivity in a foreign nation, conquered by a foreign people and carried off away from their homeland, from their home cities, from their home villages, and taken into a foreign land where they became essentially prisoners in a foreign nation. And so Isaiah is speaking hope 
to them with this passage. He's saying to these people returning from exile that God has made a promise to them to restore them. And he invokes this really powerful image of a city being rebuilt. And of course, for them, that wouldn't have just been poetic imagery. Their cities were literally ruined and devastated. So when he says, they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, that's not just poetic language. Isaiah is saying God is promising to fulfill you into a place of goodness, a place of flourishing again. And of course, when Jesus reads this passage, he's tapping into that same hope because even though in the first century, the, the Jews are living in their homeland, in their own cities, they've been invaded and conquered by another foreign army that has essentially taken over and now they're being held captive in their own land. Jesus is tapping into this incredibly powerful promise of being restored to a place of fulfillment again. This reminds me, when I read this passage this week, it made me think of somebody who is in our congregation. Many of you know him. His name is Gary. Gary's a great guy, and I first met Gary when he was a part of the painting crew that actually painted the outside of this building a few years ago when we were doing some remodeling work. And Gary, at the time that he was working on this painting crew, I found out after talking to him that he actually lived on the street. He was homeless. And as he told me his story, he told me that he was really excited to work on our church because over the years, as he was homeless, literally living in the riverbed, he would come here to our church on Tuesday nights and eat at our Tuesday night dinner where we would serve anybody who was hungry who could come out off the street and get a hot meal and be encouraged and connect with friends and connect with those of us at the church who were serving them. Well, Gary would come on Tuesday nights and get a hot meal from us and get some encouragement and begin to feel like he was human again after years of living in the riverbed. And Gary, of course, struggled with a whole bunch of issues in his life, like a lot of folks who don't have homes, who live on the street do, but through those opportunities to connect with people who were caring for him and loving him, he told me that he was able to overcome his challenges in his life and begin to believe that God had something good for him again. And so he ends up getting a job and working for a painting crew and he ends up working to submit his Section 8 housing application. This is, of course, uh, a voucher that helps pay for people who qualify it to have a place to live if they can't afford it. The problem, of course, with Section 8 vouchers is the waiting list in San Diego to get your Section 8 voucher can be eight to 10 years long. So Gary submits his application for his Section 8 housing voucher and he waits. And he continues to do whatever he can to work, even though he struggles with a partial disability. And he continues to come to church and worship. He continues to build relationships with people here and relationships with people out in the community who want what's good for him. And he continues to wait and be patient, to live in the riverbed, sleep there every single night while he waits for his Section 8 voucher application to come to the surface. Well, several years later, last year... I received a call from a friend who works for the city of Oceanside. He called me up. He said, hey, Jason, I have a question for you. Is there somebody in your church named Gary? 
And I said, yeah, Gary's a member of our church. I know exactly who you're talking about. He said, well, listen, I'm in charge of Section 8 vouchers here at the city of Oceanside, and Gary's application has come up. I think we can get him into an apartment. Now, this was amazing news because Gary had been waiting for years for this possibility to finally rise to the surface. So the next time I saw Gary, I couldn't wait to give him the good news that he had an opportunity finally after years of living in the riverbed to find his own place. But you know, that was just the beginning of that possibility. It took several months of submitting the right paperwork and helping Gary to get from one appointment to the other and proving that he was a resident of Oceanside, which is no small task when you live in the riverbed. All of this work and all of these people who helped Gary get towards this goal included me and Janelle and my friend who works for the city and a social worker who works at a local nonprofit and all the folks who administrate these programs working together to finally get Gary across the finish line until just last month, in the middle of the pandemic, Gary finally gets his apartment. Today, as we speak, Gary now lives in his own apartment, sleeps in his own bed, cooks in his own kitchen, and is finally secure and safe for the first time in over six years of being homeless. Now, I tell you that story for a couple reasons. Number one, because many of you know Gary. He's a member of our church, and I wanted to share that good news with you so that you can celebrate with him. But I also share that because Gary's story there, the story of waiting and expecting and hoping and dealing with the frustration and the agony of the promise of this place of his own not coming true year after year after year is very much how the people of Israel must have felt times a hundred as they waited for these promises of God to be fulfilled. And that is part of what we're reading here in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 4, this image of their devastated cities being rebuilt. After generations of captivity, generations of being held subject to the whims of a foreign power, they finally have this articulation of hope for their lives to be restored and renewed again. That is the kind of hope we're talking about. Now, I want to back up a little bit more to earlier in the passage so you can see that there's more to this hope than just this prophetic imagination for what could be true. Because that's exactly what Isaiah is giving them here. Verse 4 is a kind of prophetic imagination for what could be possible as the people of God are restored to good lives again. But earlier than that, Isaiah gives a hint about how that possibility might come to be. Back up with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. And here's what the prophet says here. He says that he's come to bring good news, verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, that word vengeance is troubling because it sounds like revenge, of course, but the word that's used there is really more accurately translated as vindication. 
right? And what's happening here, of course, is that the prophet is referring when he says, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah is referring specifically to the ancient Israeli practice of Jubilee, the Jubilee year. You can read about this in Leviticus chapter 25, where God gives the people of Israel, again, a kind of prophetic imagination for how their lives can be made right every 50th year. Every 50th year in ancient Israel was a jubilee year, and in that year, that 50th year, something amazing happened in their community. Every jubilee year, every 50th year, all debts were forgiven, all slaves or indentured servants were set free, and all property returned to its original owners. Now think about that just for a moment. That there was an entire community that had an imagination for recognizing that life has a tendency over time to drift in the direction of unfairness and injustice. That over time, that power and wealth tend to move in the direction of those who already have power and wealth. And eventually, those who don't have power and wealth are no longer able to dig themselves out of a hole again. It's almost like life is like a giant game of Monopoly. The more you win, the more likely it is that you'll win. And the more you lose, the more likely it is that you'll lose. In every game of Monopoly, no matter how you roll the dice, eventually somebody crosses a tipping point where they have so much money and so much property that they're guaranteed not to win. In other words, life has a tendency to move in a kind of unjust direction. And the people of ancient Israel through God's inspiration, recognized that and had the capacity, the imagination to create a system that every 50 years would right that wrong, that would correct that unfairness by resetting the scales, by essentially starting the game over again so that entire families, entire villages, entire cities were no longer trapped in cycles of poverty and slavery and injustice. Now that is a system that can help bring about this imagination for a rebuilt community, a rebuilt city. And so of course it's no wonder that Isaiah calls upon that ancient memory of Jubilee year to announce to the people of God that there is good news. Because you see, the good news is that God has come to bring that liberation, that justice to people who have been feeling disempowered, people who have been experiencing genuine hardship, people who have actually been locked into systems of oppression. And so the question at the beginning that I asked, of course, is what are we waiting for in Advent? My answer to that is we're waiting for a couple of things. We're waiting first and foremost for a prophetic imagination like Isaiah to see the possibilities of a world that could be better, 
to see the possibility of a world that could be rebuilt from its devastating ruins and become good and flourishing and beneficial to all people again. We desperately need God to birth in us a prophetic imagination for what could be true in our world today. And the second thing, of course, that we're waiting for is we're waiting for Jubilee. We're waiting for genuine systems that can liberate the oppressed, that can deliver those who are suffering under debt, that can bring forgiveness to those who have been enslaved by their debts. We're waiting for an opportunity for those systems to be put into place so that God's good community, God's flourishing city can actually come true. And once we see those possibilities, we will, just like Isaiah in chapter 61, verse 1, we can say with Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to bring good news to those who are enslaved. Now, the reason Jesus could do that, the reason Jesus does that at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4 is because Jesus comes as the embodiment, the incarnation of the God who is always seeking to liberate those who are oppressed. And Jesus recognizes that we can have that imagination for what's possible that we can put those systems of liberation into place, that there's no reason for us to wait. Jesus sees and knows and experiences and brings to us the good news that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the power of God to bring about those good things in people's lives is, in his words, at hand. The kingdom of God, in other words, is within reach. Our ability to have a prophetic imagination is within our grasp. Our ability to have systems of justice and liberation is within our grasp. And our ability then to bring good news for those good possibilities for people in our lives is just there at the tip of our tongue waiting for us to recognize that Christ has brought that possibility for each and every one of us, that the good news is here, that it has been born and birthed and incarnated with Christ, and there is nothing else to wait for. Once we know that, once we experience that, once we realize that the Spirit of God has given us the ability to imagine these things and to roll up our sleeves and make them true, then bringing good news to people who are hurting and suffering and struggling becomes something that we can't wait to do because we see that it's possible. We see that it's real. Today, what I want to invite you into is to ask yourself the question, how is God giving you an imagination for good possibilities, either in your life or the lives of those around you? How is God stirring up that prophetic imagination for rebuilding the devastating ruins and bringing about a community, a neighborhood, a family that is genuinely good and right and true? Number two, how is God calling you to roll up your sleeves and put systems in place 
that make those good possibilities genuinely available to people who need them. They don't have to be government programs like Section 8 housing vouchers. It could be almost anything. However it is that God is calling you, it could be through your volunteerism, it could be through the job that you go to every single day, it could be through the vocation that God is calling you to through school or work or your role in your own family or in your neighborhood or in this church. It could be a million different ways. But God is calling us to be a part of the solutions that bring genuine hope and liberation into people's lives who don't have it. How is it that God is calling you into those possibilities? And then third, what then is the good news that Christ represents for you? How is it that God is empowering you by God's Spirit to bring this news that God wants what is good and right and true for you and for me and for those in your life? How are you articulating that good news for others? How is the Spirit of God drawing you to stop waiting and to start bringing good news to those who are in need? I know that those are challenging questions, but these are challenging times, and I believe firmly that God has empowered each and every one of us to meet this challenging moment in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our city. Not because we're smart enough, not because we are good enough, not because we have earned it, but because by the Spirit of God, we have been given the grace of God to bring good news to those who are in need. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you again for this opportunity for us to partner with you and to imagine better possibilities for our lives, for our neighborhoods, and for our city. We thank you for these words from Isaiah chapter 61 that call us to be people who proclaim good news to those who are in need of liberation, good news to those who are in need of healing, good news to those who are suffering and struggling. We ask that you would empower us to bring that grace and mercy to those who are in need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, Oceanside Sanctuary. It's Tina Edwards, your favorite church doctor and board member. I just want to talk to you about our fundraising campaign and what it's all about. So as you probably know, we do a lot of things in the community. We use every dollar to help the community be a better place to run our operations. I think the things that you already know about and probably will hear more about are things like our food pantry, which serves over 100 families in our community. We also have a social justice committee and we've been actually making real changes in our local community having to do with environmental concerns, housing concerns, as well as racial justice issues. But I think the thing that's near and dear to my heart and I specifically wanna talk about right now is that we've also been reaching out to not just our local community, but in fact, the entire country with our video services. Probably most of you know, Jason Coker does a lot of classes and Alex has participated in that and we've also been forming some groups around discussing a different way of interpreting the Bible 
I think one that's really based in a gospel-centric focus on what Jesus's message is, how to live as a Christian, and how to not use the Bible as a weapon, but rather use it as a way to be a more loving and contributing human being. Really what we're trying to do here at the Ocean Sanctuary is live our faith. I like to say live the love because that's really what it's about. It's about loving for our community. So if you're excited about our missions, like I'm excited about our missions, please take the time to contribute this month in December. I already have uh, just a little bit more, or if you like a lot more, to help us make these missions a reality and continue to expand our influence here in Oceanside, as well as around the country, anywhere we might find members. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is CJ, and I've got some announcements here for you this morning. Thank you for watching and being part of these online gatherings, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube. If you are new to the Oceanside Sanctuary online gatherings, we would love to meet you virtually. <laughs> We'd love to answer any questions that you may have. You can simply connect with our team and connect with our pastors by going to the oceansidesanctuary.org website backslash contact and that'll put you in touch with our team and we're, uh, we'd love to answer any of the questions you may have um, and just hear about uh, your life and what's going on here during COVID-19 as well as uh, be helpful in any way we can. Uh, the Advent season, uh, Oceanside Sanctuary has come up with some really fantastic resources for you and your family. Um, on our website, you'll find 24 family spiritual practices that I think you're gonna really enjoy. And those started uh, on November 29th with the beginning of Advent, and they're gonna go all the way through Epiphany on January the 6th. Um, also, for the adults, one of our fellow congregants here at the Oceanside Sanctuary, Father Larry Hart, has generously agreed to share one of his latest books with us, Advent Meditations for a World on the Brink. Uh, this is a way to meditate powerfully during the Advent season. All these resources are available on the homepage at the OceansideSanctuary.org under news and stories, so check that out. Uh, this Christmas Eve, it's gonna look a little bit different, obviously, uh, but we've got some really fun things planned for you on Christmas Eve with carols and candles. That's gonna happen December 24th at 4 p.m. We would love for you to join us on Facebook or YouTube. Once again, that's gonna be at 4 p.m. So mark your calendars, set a timer for yourself. Um, we're gonna have a great time with some carols, some candle lighting, and this is gonna be a really great time together. I'm just excited it's not gonna be on Zoom where we have to all be unmuted and sing carols together. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this Christmas Eve here online at the Oceanside Sanctuary. And then finally, we've, finally, we've got a really great uh, giving opportunity for you. So many of you are part of and know about Sarah's Hope. Uh, we've got about 30 families that are currently involved and that we are serving through Sarah's Hope Pantry. Well, what we'd love to do is give them just an added extra gift card uh, this Christmas season. And you can do that. It's a $25 gift card, um, and that's gonna go directly to these families. If you'd like to purchase a gift card and provide one of these to our families, you can go to the oceansidesanctuary.org 
backslash Sarah's Hope and that'll uh, give you all the information and the directions on how to purchase one of these and then the, the team and the staff will get those out to those families during those uh, food deliveries to those that are involved in Sarah's Hope. So we'd love for you to participate and be part of that. Hope you're all doing well. Continue to stay safe, uh, safe. continue to stay healthy, and we're excited to see you hopefully soon. Have a great week, everybody.